Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in chapter number 22, the book of Proverbs and chapter number 22. We've been going this year searching for wisdom and we've been finding our way into the book of Proverbs as a series, just going upon it, verse upon verse, line upon line, here a little, there a little, just hitting several of these wonderful Proverbs. Remember that Proverbs is not like a narrative book where you read the whole chapter down, but you have a verse or a series of verses that give an idea of wisdom. Now, throughout the book of Proverbs, there are many different themes that you find repeated over and over and over, that these are great areas of wisdom. And when we get to them, we've been trying to wrap them together and give an overview and systematically try to teach what the Bible has to say concerning that subject. Well, we come to one sub subject tonight or this morning dealing with the book of Proverbs and searching for wisdom in our practical everyday life. And we find our jumping off place in the book of Proverbs chapter number 22. The book of Proverbs chapter 22, and if you don't mind, notice with me and verse number seven. The book of Proverbs chapter 22, and notice with me in verse number seven. The Bible says, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And with this, we're going to see financial principles that are found in Proverbs. That'll be the title, and we're going to take an overview of the book of Proverbs and see all the different places of wisdom, the financial principles found in Proverbs. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you now, we're just asking that you would give us great grace and wisdom, give us great understanding as we look through the book of Proverbs, that we can apply wisdom to ourselves and to our everyday life. We thank you that most of all, it comes from you, Lord, that you are a great God who is real, who can guide us, who can show us what to live for, show us that you are the goal and that we can be pleasing to you in our finances. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we go through the book of Proverbs, we'll notice that over and over the book of Proverbs makes mention of finances somewhere, somehow. This happens to be the one message where we're collecting it all together. There are over 130 different references to finances found in the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. That is quite a bit. In fact, it is the number one subject that is dealt with in the book of Proverbs is the area of finances. We know that these references serve as guideposts for wisdom in several different areas of finances that in our everyday life. If you don't mind, let's just walk through these guideposts and just see what the Bible has to say in the book of Proverbs concerning our finances that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Notice if you don't mind, a first guidepost that we see is the areas of prosperity and poverty of prosperity and poverty. Notice if you don't mind, <laughs> as we examine this, that 40% of the Proverbs dealing with finances goes into the category of our right actions that lead to prosperity and the wrong actions that lead us to poverty. This is a very common idea in dealing with finances. Many of the Proverbs are dualistic form. What does that mean? That means it starts off with a good part and then ends with a bad part or ends with a bad part that has both of them with the good and the bad and shows them as an opposite. So because of that, we have to show all of these verses linked together, dealing with the prosperity and dealing with the poverty. Let's look at several of these verses. Let's look at 21 verse 5. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse number five. And let's just look at these principles here. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Proverbs 21 and verse five, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plentiness, but 
everyone that is hasty only to want. As this is dealing with the idea of finances, it says the thoughts of the diligent. What is this referring to? It's carrying the idea of planning ahead. That those who plan ahead, who diligently try to plan, that it's going to lend to plentiness. Meaning that you don't gain money by accident. You don't save money by accident. You just don't open up your savings account one day, click on it and go, wow, where'd all this money come from? You had to slowly put it in there. You had to have planned for it. Whereas those that are hasty leads to want. What does that carry the idea of? That you can get to the place where you say, well, I got enough money and you spend it and you spend it, you spend it. Then you look at your savings account and say, where did it all go? How come there's nothing in there? We know that this is a a basic part of wisdom. However, it's a part of wisdom that people don't apply. It's something everyone knows that you need to put something in your savings account. You need to plan ahead. You say, well, I don't make make enough money. Can you put $5 in? Can you do something? All of that will add up. You know, it's amazing that when you put things early and diligently, they tell us that if you... um, If someone who is 18 years old begins to save $1,000 a year, that by the time they retire, they are multimillionaire by saving it. It just adds up. And it's something that someone could easily do. One of the problems that we have is that we say, well, I don't have any money. That's the problem. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not even a thousandaire. I'm just trying to survive. But can you put something away? Can you plan for it? Maybe it's the idea of planning ahead for what you want. Instead of going in debt, I want a new car. What if I could put away $5, $10, put stuff away? If you could forgive the personal example. And 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people. And my wife and I said, by faith, we're going to prove that God could still work even in the midst of 2020. And so what we did is we stashed away $5, $10, $5, $10. And we were able to get something nice for the church by faith. You said, how'd that work out? It wasn't us. It was God, but there was a planning there. We could pray all we want for a piano, but we have to apply the wisdom that God has given to us. God, one of the things we have to understand right away, God doesn't give us money trees. If he's given you a money tree, then let me know about it. I'll keep that secret, but God doesn't give us money trees. But what he does do is give us wisdom so we could watch God work and watch him multiply and work things out that doesn't make sense. But there's a principle that we need to be diligent in our planning. And when we fail to plan, we find out we have nothing. So that goes, it makes sense, but we need the encouragement to do something. Even if it's small, do something. How about this? As we look and see what Proverbs says, Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs 14, and notice with me verse 23, Proverbs 14 and verse 23, in all labor, there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That penury carries the idea of poverty. Here it comes the idea that hard work leads to profit. So you work hard. And you get to enjoy the benefits of it. However, if you just talk about working, you don't have anything to show for it. The Bible puts a great emphasis on work, that God created us to work. And because of that, there's a blessing that goes to work. There's something about working hard for it. I have Christmas coming up, so I'm going to work harder to try to earn something. I'm going to put some more hours in. I'm going to do this. There's something about actually working rather than talking about it. There's a lot of dreamers who talk about what they're going to do with the money when they get it, but then they don't work for it and wonder where, why their dreams didn't come true. Why didn't it happen? That hard work leads to profit. There's an idea principle in the Bible of work. I know that's a four letter word in today's society and that people don't know how to work, that we all have stories of people who don't know how to work. We know a lot of people occupy space, We know a lot of people who can look busy, but very few people know how to work. The principle is, is that there is a work and God blesses it. But those who just talk about it, they're going to end up in poverty. Notice with me as we continue on Proverbs chapter 28. 
Again, we're going to look at many different Proverbs. And we're not going to look at 130 of them, but we're going to look at a good sampling of them that we can apply our hearts to wisdom concerning these areas. Again, we're still talking about the guidepost of prosperity versus poverty and that what we could do to see prosperity and what we can neglect to do to have the poverty. Notice with me in Proverbs 28 and verse 22. Proverbs 28 and verse 22. It says, he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Now, what is this speaking about? He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. This is carrying the idea of what we would call today of get rich quick screams. That there's everyone wants to get rich quick. Everyone wants that magic formula. Everyone wants to be part of that triangle thing where they get to do it. Now everybody else has to give them money on the upflow or whatever they want to get involved with. There are a lot of things and people are sucked into it all the time. You give a thousand dollars and guess what? We'll triple fold uh, what you gave. There are all kinds of things. It's called phone scammers right now too. Hey, this Nigerian prince has got all this money for you. Oh, really? All I have to do is give him my bank information? What happens is that people are looking for those get-rich schemes. They want to take a shortcut. But all that leads you into poverty. I can't tell you, of course, working with the police, I deal with them all the time, but I cannot tell you how many people fall for those scams all the time. Almost every day the police are getting called out, even in a small area as the Green Bay area, getting all the time where someone has got sucked into a scam because they thought they could get rich. They thought they could get something quick and it doesn't work that way, but they're so successful because people are looking for those schemes. They're looking for it. I know that someone put out a funny meme somewhere of the Nigerian prince saying, why doesn't somebody take my call? You know, as if there's a real guy out there and then nobody answers them. There's plenty of people that answer that Nigerian prince. You guys laugh and know what we're talking about, right? There's an idea of get rich quick. How many people do we know that don't have a job because they're waiting for that get rich screen? What can I get invested in? What can I do? What can I do? I could join this job. I could do this. And they're failing to do the everyday matters of working and doing it right. And those people are always in poverty. How about Proverbs chapter 13. Let's look one more in this guidepost dealing with the idea of poverty and prosperity. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. And notice with me in verse number 11. Proverbs 13 and verse 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And verse number 11 of Proverbs 13, it's saying that there's a right way to get wealth and there's a wrong way to get wealth. The right way is going to be hard work and labor. Being consistent, going to your job, going to work, working hard at it. That's the way to prosper. Keep doing one day after another. Though getting it by vanity carries the idea of another get rich scheme. It shall be diminished. You cheat. <clears throat> uh, you try to take shortcuts. You cheat on your taxes. You do the wrong report. All of that other stuff will catch up to you. Trying to get money by any other gains other than working hard. Those type of things are always going to lead to ruin. And there's story after story after story. That the idea, I know we don't like it, is to put one foot in front of the other Continue to do what you're supposed to. Be wise about the finances we have and keep working for it and watching it go as we go forward. With it, let's go to another guidepost that we see along our way of this principles found in Proverbs. And we see that there's a call to generosity. A call to generosity. Notice as we look in Proverbs, Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22, and notice with me in verse number nine. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth of his bread to the poor. Here we're carrying a principle here 
that those who are able to use their finances to take care of what God has given, which includes the poor and other stuff, that they're going to be blessed. The Bible gives all kinds of principles that you can't outgive God. When you're giving it for the idea of letting God use you as a vessel to help others, to be a blessing to them, to be an encouragement, you can't outgive God. God takes care of them. That there is an idea that you could be Scrooge McDuck but you're not going to be able to be blessed or enjoy your finances. You want to be bountiful. God wants to use us as a conduit. So let's imagine everybody knows like a pipe that water runs through, right? Water enters in and water comes out. In order for more water to come out, more water has to come in, right? And as soon as you cap off that end, there's only a certain amount of water that can go in, correct? So in order to keep the water flowing, more water to come in, the principle is you got to let the water go out. There's an idea of what are you doing in your finances. Now we're talking about a supernatural part where God blesses the finances. <clears throat> My wife came from a church in Arizona where they had a lady who hated the church, hated the pastor, hated everything about him. However, she believed in the principle of tithing, even though she wasn't a church member, she would send her tithe every month to the church. And people would say, but I hear you say all kinds of awful things about the pastor. I hear you say all kinds of awful things about the church. Why would you continue to give money to it? She goes, God blesses the tithe. It is a supernatural thing that is you are used by God. God still blesses it. We know that for the Hebrew people over the years that they've turned away from following the Messiah, their God, but because they still follow the principles found in the book of Proverbs, that they have become the financial masters of the world. God is blessed in them and their finances because they practice these things here and they're blessed by it. God promises to bless the wisdom applied when people use these principles here. And part of it is this giving that you are not stingy with your money. Um, you know, people will tithe and say, all right, I have to tithe. Remember what's your tithe? The tithe is 10%. So if I make $100, then I tithe. So I give $10. But then they get to the place where I make $218. So my tithe is $21.80. So I'm going to write a check for $21.80. Well, you couldn't even round up. But people are like, nope, this is what I'm supposed to give. This is all I'm going to give. It's it. I'm just giving the minimum. Well, that's not giving generosity. It's just doing what you have to. You're paying a bill. God cares the idea of giving generosity. And there's lots of things that need to be accomplished and lots of things, but God blesses it. God wants to give money to you for the purpose of you turning, giving it out to be a blessing to others. God wants to use you and there's a call of generosity. Notice if you don't mind, we see in this other principle here in Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Now, I know in an audience such as this that we have people who are in different financial areas or financial philosophies. For example, without a doubt, we know that we don't have millionaires in here, unless you know something I don't. And as far as I know, we don't even have thousandaires in here, you know. We got people that are surviving day by day. We understand that. That you may be saving and prayed up, but, you know, you are living like we are, that you have to depend upon God and watching God work. Now with this, we know that there are some people, even in this crowd, that would be Scrooge McDuck. Everybody knows cultural reference, right? Scrooge McDuck from, you know, cartoons that, you know, he had all the money, but he would be so tightwad, wouldn't give out anything. And then we got some people who are, don't have any financial principles that spend it as soon as they get it. So we know that there's a wide range of people in finances. You're probably somewhere in between Scrooge McDuck and just throwing your money away. All right. So we have to cover the principles. Notice if you don't mind and uh, <laughs> Proverbs chapter 11. And let's see something else here. Verse number 24, Proverbs 11, starting in verse 24, it says this. There is that scattereth 
and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more that is meat, but it tendeth toward poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watereth also of himself. So in here, it's dealing with an agricultural term. And there's a principle of sowing and reaping. So let's imagine that there is a farmer out there. Let's do gardening. Gardening is less than farming, but still the same principle. So let's say that you're going to grow corn in your backyard and you only want 10 stalks. Is the way that you do it is get 10 little seeds and put them into these stalks and that you hope that all 10 of them grow? No. If you want 10 stalks, you need to throw more than 10 in the ground, hoping that they come up. So you understand you have to spend more in order to make sure that you get the increase. Does that make sense? That's a principle. If uh, you have the garden, you calculate to the inch. All right, I only need about two inches of water per stock. So that's all they're going to get is that, okay, there's some water for you and some water for you and some water for you. And that's all you get. You're going to have to survive off of the little bit that I give because I've measured this out and I have this down. No, you, you water liberally in order to get it to grow. Does that make sense? So they're using these agricultural terms that understand that sometimes you have to spend in order to get the increase. We know that that happens in business. All right, so people put up signs. Why are you putting up these signs? What are you getting from it? Well, I'm hoping to get some more out of it. I'm hoping to bring attention. I'm hoping to bring some other stuff. For example, since we've been here, we have passed out... um, 70,000 gospel tracts. Praise the Lord. 70,000 of them. Wonderful. Does that mean that we got a church of 70,000 people? No. No. We have to keep spreading the seed to get people to come. We know that they cost money. And it is worth the investment. You said you've been doing this for so many years and you don't even have 10,000 people? No. But it's worth the investment to keep passing out the seed and to see what grows. But isn't it a waste of money? You're just throwing it away. Don't people throw them in the trash? Some people do. But there's some that don't. That we understand that we have to spend some money at times in order to gain it back. Now, we have to be wise about it. You understand? But we can't Scrooge McDuck and say, well, listen, it's not working. So you don't get to have any budget for advertisement. Only exactly what we need, not anything else. Well, that'd be a horrible existence if you only had enough money to get what you needed and didn't have anything else for it. But if you're going to grow a business, you have to spend some. If you want to plant, you have to, or to grow crops, you don't just put exactly what you need. You throw in seed liberally. You throw in um, (laughs) water liberally, still wisely, but you can't be stingy at the time of sowing if you're going to have the harvest that you want. There's a principle here of still dealing with finances with the idea of generosity. That if we want God to bless our finances, we have to be able to give liberally and expect God to work generosity. All right, let's go to another signpost that we come to. Some pitfalls of ill-gotten gains and of borrowing and lending. (laughs) Notice with me as we turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter number 1. Proverbs chapter number one. And let's look at verse number 19. Proverbs chapter one and verse 19. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. So in this, it's talking about that in the rush to get rich, many people will abandon moral principles of honesty, of integrity. They build their fortunes such as a uh, alcohol that enslaves millions. They'll, they'll take shortcuts. They'll abandon moral principles. For example, and forgive, I'm just full of cultural references today. Forgive me. Back when I was a kid, there was a famous TV show called Dallas. What is Dallas about? About people making money. How do they make their money? By lying, cheating, skilling, anything they possibly could to get ahead in the game. Now, <laughs> I'm not as uh, up to date on television. That's why it's old 80s references. I'm sure there's still television shows like that today 
where people lie, cheat, and steal in order to get ahead in business, in order to get ahead, whatever else. That is a common practice of stepping on people in order to get ahead. But God does not bless that when we abandon integrity, when we feel like we have to lie, when we abandon our honesty, when we abandon our moral principles in order to get ahead, they will not advance. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Again, the Bible is speaking about that they are without wisdom. Notice as we continue on with this principle and the verse that we started with, Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in Proverbs 22, and notice the principle, Proverbs 22 and verse number seven. The rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Here we have the golden rule. What is the golden rule? The guy who owes the gold, owns the gold, makes the rules. That whenever you borrow money, you now have a master. And by the way, you can get to the place where you can't please two masters. There are times that you have to do things in order to pay back the bank that you have to neglect God. There are things that you have to do in order to pay back. He that has the gold makes the rules. By the way, this is one of the principles of why we're an independent church, that we don't have any government subsidies. We don't have any other church hurting us out. We are independent. Does that mean that you have less finances? It does. But it also means that we have God as our master and he gets to tell us what to do and that we don't have any other organization or headquarters that could tell us what we can or cannot do because the idea that he that has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> For If you could forgive a personal testimony, I wasn't always independent Baptist. I grew up in a different um, <laughs> denomination of Southern Baptist. And with that, the Southern Baptists have something called a cooperative fund. And it sounds great on the surface that every church throws in a little bit of money to this cooperative program. And in this cooperative program, they use it to pay missionaries. So as soon as a missionary uh, graduates from school and is cleared and is trained, they send them straight to the mission field, here's some money and go. That sounds great. We'd love for missionaries just to be able to go instead of spending a couple years on deputation. In this cooperative program, they're able to pay uh, a pastor a salary for a small church that couldn't pay him a salary. Well, that sounds good. They're able to pay uh, pastor uh, his um, medical and health insurance. Be nice to have medical and health insurance. You know, they take care of all of them. He gets a retirement fund. Those sounds, they sound great and wonderful. However, that same cooperative program also uses to pay the teachers of their universities. These same universities where the professors teach the kids that the Bible's no longer the word of God. That I have an issue with, that my money that I give to the church goes into a program that pays people to teach them that the Bible's not the word of God. That is a big deal. So that's one of the reasons why I became an independent Baptist with the idea that sure, we have less finances because we don't have a pool that we could share from, but we also have it so we could be pleasing to God in everything that we do. This is a principle that even in our own lives, that if you have huge loans weighing over your head, it becomes a big weight and it becomes a thing where they are the one who controls you. You have an idea that they are the master and you have to please them. Notice as the principle continues on in chapter 22 and notice with me verses six and seven, chapter uh, 26 rather in 27. It says, Proverbs 22, 26, be not one of them that strike hands or them that are sureties for debts. If thou hast nothing to pay, why should he take away the bed from under thee? Verse 26 and 27 is very important. And verse 26, be not one of them that strike hands. In our culture, it's shaking hands, making an agreement or of them that are sureties of debts. If thou has nothing to pay, why should you take away the bed from under thee? Here's the principle here. Don't go take a loan that you cannot repay. It's going to cost you everything. Now with that, we know that we live in a culture of credit. You know what a credit card is? A credit card is an agreement that you've taken out a loan on different things. For example, if I go to Burger King and go get a Whopper and I use my credit card, not a debit card, but a credit card, I am taking out a loan for a hamburger. 
Does that make financial sense to go take out a loan where I have to pay interest for a hamburger? No, that's what a credit card does is that you are taking out a loan for different things. You could, and people misuse that credit card and credit card debt is just out of control. They don't mind loaning you money, but you have to pay it back with high interest. And the interest rates are just out of this world, just don't even make sense. Why do I want to pay 25% uh, more for a hamburger that I took a loan out for? I barely want to pay today's prices for a hamburger, much less interest prices for it because I didn't pay back the hamburger in a different amount of time. Now, this is important because during the holiday season, people lift up all of the restrictions and go into debt because they want to make someone else happy. Don't go to debt. Budget. You say, but the holidays, yes, but you should plan ahead. Remember we talked about planning ahead? You should already be planning ahead in September what you're getting people, how much you're spending. Man, if you could even secure the Christmas present September, that takes the weight off of the holidays when people spend so much money. You understand this is basic principles of finances, of planning ahead, of organizing our efforts. As we're talking about uh, in our church of Christmas gift for Jesus, we say don't go into debt, plan ahead. That's why we're telling you in November, plan about what you would like to do. We don't want you to get in financial trouble because you feel obligated to give to the church. We want you to plan ahead and pray what God would have you to do in accordance to your finances. Does that make sense? But people get in trouble during the holiday seasons. They rack up debt like no other time of the year and they pay for it the rest of the year. In fact, several years for that one holiday season. Don't go into debt if you can't afford it. You say, is it wrong to have a credit card? My preference is not to have a credit card. If you do have a credit card for emergencies, what I recommend you do is take that credit card, put it in your freezer and let it ice over. And if it's an emergency, you'll be able to chisel it out. If it's not an emergency, you'll quit chiseling because that's work to get it out. <laughs> You, you Be wise about the thing. Keep it where you can't use it. I understand having it for emergencies because emergencies do happen. It's best to have an emergency savings fund. By the way, I encourage you that you should have two months of uh, bills set aside, two months of money to pay bills set aside somewhere. That's wise in case you have a month where you have gallbladder surgery and you can't go to work. That way you don't have to foreclose on the house. You have the money to be able to fund things. Cars break down. I wish they would last forever. But you need something to be able to survive off when you're paying on the other bills. And when you don't have a savings account, the sky is falling. Because now you've got to get this and you've got to get this. These are financial principles, but you don't want to go into debt. Because emergencies happen. You would rather have to, the money on hand. In fact, even such things as buying cars. Max is not here. He's in Mexico for work. But Max refuses to buy a car uh, that's not cash in hand. He saves all the time and says, all right, here's the money. He was trying to do that for a house too. He's trying to set it aside. That's wise. That the idea that the servant, uh, um, the lender is servant to, I just messed up the verse. Forgive me. You guys know what I'm talking about. The guy who's giving you money, that's your boss now. And I don't want to be a servant to the credit card company. Amen. I don't want to be servant to the bank. Because what happens is it moves apart the, my master up in heaven. This is financial principles that we should have employed so that way we're not in trouble. Let's pause. In the Great Depression that hit the world, especially in America in the 1930s, it devastated the economy. And the people would need it soup kitchens and there was a lot of people that was hurting, legitimately hurting. Interesting enough that they did surveys in both the United States and Canada of people who were in the soup kitchens and the people running the soup kitchens. Soup kitchens were the people trying to give uh, food to the people who were needing help at that time. They found an interesting statistic that everybody <coughs> who was getting served, none of them were tithers before the Great Depression. 
But it was the people on the other side who were serving people who were tithers, faithful tithers to the Lord before the Great Depression that God had still blessed them and they had plenty during that time of the Depression. By the way, what was one of the big causes of the Great Depression? It was credit cards. That what happens is that we're using credit and they were unwise about it. And then when the banks wanted their money back, well, now they didn't have enough money to pay and now they were hurting. They had their beds taken from them. That's exactly what this passage was taking. Their houses, their livelihood was all taken by the bank who needed their money back so they could survive. See, with the principles here, that you apply these principles, we keep getting threatened. If you listen to the news long enough, we're going to enter into oppression any day now. The economy is going to collapse. I've heard that almost every year for the last 20 years, right? We're getting another government shutdown coming up soon if they, they don't get something. Uh, that's what's in the news. I saw it today, right? We're always getting threatened with finances. Then how do we plan for it? Well, don't be in debt as much as you possibly can. Because when the debt comes and they want to collect, how are you going to survive? Well, if you don't have that debt, then you can not have your bed taken away. You could still survive. There's something about ownership. You own your house, and if you own it free and clear, they can't take it away from you. You own your car, they can't take it away from you. Nobody likes the repo man. But if you don't pay, that's what's going to happen. So these are just solid principles. Don't put things in credit. Let's go on and let's get some more wisdom that's found in here. Another guidepost about finances in Proverbs is that money is not the ultimate end. Money is not the ultimate end. Notice with me Proverbs 22 again. Proverbs 22 seems to have a lot about finances. Have you noticed? Proverbs 22, notice with me in verse 1. Proverbs 22 in verse 1. A good name is to be chosen than great riches and having loving favor rather than silver and gold. What we find here is that it's better to be character and integrity than have finances. It's better to be able to have character and integrity. What's integrity? Integrity is doing what's right even when no one is looking. Integrity is doing what's right even when you can get away with it. It is better to be a person of character than have a lot of riches. Again, so many times when people are making riches their goal, they're willing to get rid of their character, their moral compass. They're willing to cross lines that they shouldn't have crossed in order to get the goal of finances. Don't make goal the finances. Make God the goal. And allow him to supply the finances as you apply wisdom to your money. Notice as we go on, Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, notice with me verse number 4. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, and they fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Verse 4 and 5 is giving this principle that we're not to make riches our goal. When we make riches our goal, we're usually guided by our own wisdom, our own plans, our own schemes, which then places the priority on being successful in this world of making lots of money, of making a measure of independence. But what happens is that riches are illusionary. It gives the picture here that they fly away. Just when you think you have it, they fly away and you're left with nothing. That don't make riches your goal. Make God your goal. You said, but I'm poor. How can I make riches my goal? I know lots of poor people that dream about money all the time. It's all they could talk about, all they could think about. They want it because they don't have it. They, they do everything they could to get some sort of riches. Don't make riches the goal. Make God your goal. Notice with me Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 10. Proverbs 8.10. Notice it says, Receive my instruction and not silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things may be desired are not compared to it. Here we should be seeking after wisdom. Because 
silver, gold, rubies. They could, even though they're in abundance, they could dominate our life. They could make it so that's all we're paying attention to. And the gospel record of Luke, we're not going to turn there. Jesus warns us that a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things that he possesseth. Our life is more than things. Your life is more than how much you have in the money in your bank account. Your life is more than how much you have in your wallet. God sees you a lot better than riches. Remember that he said that if you took all the riches of the world and put a man's soul, what shall he have thereof? God would rather pick your soul than all the riches of the world. After all, when we get to heaven, we're going to be walking on transparent streets of gold. They're going to be using money as pavement up in heaven. We're not going to have to worry about money. Our soul is much more important, but yet people think about money all the time and they suffer through it. It is better to have God's wisdom and God's instruction than money. Don't make money the goal. Notice as we go in Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 16, the same idea. How much better is it to get wisdom than to gold and to get understanding than chosen silver? Wisdom is better than gold. Notice with me Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19. And notice with me in verse 8. Proverbs 19 and verse 8. He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth good shall find understanding. Here we need to get wisdom. How do you get wisdom, by the way? The Bible speaks about this in the book of James. We get wisdom the same way that Solomon got it. We ask for it. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 1 verse 5 that he that lacketh wisdom, uh, let him ask of God and he'll give it to him liberally. And I like the last phrase that he'll braideth not. God will never yell at us for asking for wisdom. We can have wisdom and finances and life and everything. We're thankful that we can get it. We have to seek it after God. God can help give us wisdom with the finances we have. God can give us wisdom with the possessions we have. God can give us wisdom. Now may I pause here? We know that finances is an important part of Proverbs, but it's not something that we make a big deal of here at this church. We joke that every time I preach about finances, which is rare, we're always going to have visitors. I may encourage you if you're visiting, finances is not what we talk about all the time. We want to talk about the Lord. And God's where we get our wisdom from. We want to encourage you to seek after God and find what God has for you. That God's the one who gives to us. If we need wisdom, we ask of God and he'll give us wisdom. How does he give us wisdom? Well, first of all, he gives it from the Bible. By the way, how does he get wisdom from the Bible? Do you just close your eyes and open a page and stick your finger in there? No, you get wisdom by reading your Bible systematically every day. And then as you read your Bible every day, God will give you what you need for that day in your normal Bible reading. You don't have to go guess where you need to go find it at. God will give it to you. You need to have that consistent life. That's why people who are struggling, well, I need wisdom from God, but I haven't read my Bible forever. Where do I find it at? How do I get it? Where do I look? Well, if you're in your Bible every day, you don't have to, have to wonder. It's going to be in your daily Bible reading. How else does God give wisdom? Preaching like this, where someone will open up the Bible and give you these Bible principles that you could apply for your own life. You need to have that daily seeking after God of methodically, methodically, and prayerfully looking in your Bible, and God will give you the wisdom, looking at verses in its context, seeing how they're placed together, seeking that direction from God, and he will give us wisdom. And having wisdom is better than all of those finances. There's one other lamppost that we want to bring to your attention to. And that's also the benefits of advice. Benefits of advice. We don't have to go through it alone. Notice with me Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13 and verse number 18. Proverbs 13 verse 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. You know, there's always time that we need good advice. We don't know everything. Sometimes it's good for someone to give us information that we didn't know before. I don't mind financial classes. Everyone needs to be taught how to make a budget. 
By the way, not everyone knows how to give a budget because you're not pre-programmed. You don't come out of the womb and say, I already know how to calculate numbers unless you're Zeb. <laughs> you have to be taught how these financial principles. You need to be taught how to give a budget. What's a good budget like? What are you looking for in a budget? You need to be understand how to write checks. You know, they don't even teach people how to write checks anymore. I've watched some young people take a checkbook and go, what do I do with this thing? I understand we're moving to electronic age and we have to keep up, but people don't know how to do stuff like that. They don't know how to rectify and reconcile, rectif, reconciliation for their bank accounts. They don't know how to make sure that everything's there. I know so many people that they pay the bills, but they happen to go look at their bank account. Look, I got $1,000. Oh, I could go spend it all. No, your $1,000 is in bills and checks that are already out. Those are things that haven't come in yet. You don't have $1,000. You've spent it all. You need to know that. People get in trouble. I've met so many people who do that. They need to be taught. They need to have advice. We need people to teach us. There are things that we don't know. I know there are people a lot wiser for us dealing with the idea of finances. People who, um, <laughs> who know things about IRAs, who know about uh, CDs, about all these other things, mutual funds. There are people who are wise about those things. The Bible says that we're supposed to learn from man. Maybe give an example. I know a church who um, was given a million dollars. And instead of just spending the million dollars, like most of us would, they put it into a high interest savings account. And what they did is they had a Christian school and they used the interest of that savings account to pay for their school. So now the kids can go almost uh, without paying. All the teachers are paid and all the things were supplied. And it was able to supply month after month after month just off the interest. Isn't that wise to make your money work for you? Well, someone had to teach them that because our normal thing is I got a million dollars, let me spend it. But to be able to have someone give instruction, we need to be wise and allow someone to give us instruction to teach us things that we may not know. There are times that we need to seek after wisdom. For example, if someone gave us a million dollars, we should say, what should we do for this? Let's take some time. Let's not spend it right this moment. Let's pray about what we should do about this and get for wisdom of what we can do. Would that be great? We need to be understanding about this. Seek for wisdom. Notice with me Proverbs 15. We're almost done. You guys are listening very patiently. Thank you for this. Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15 and verse 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. We know that it's foolhardy to act without all the facts. It is sensible to get a second opinion. It's sensible to consider an opinion that even if it differs towards what we think, it's sensible to evaluate other points of views and weigh to evidence. That way, if we make a mistake, it's an honest mistake rather than a mistake out of ignorance. That we're trying to get all the information and make a decision based off the information we have. Let's try to get all the information with it. What should we do with this? Let's consider this. What is wise for this? Rather than I've got $5, I need to go spend it right now. Amen. Notice if you don't mind one last verse. You guys have been very patient. I hope that this has been a help. Proverbs chapter 20 and notice with me verse 18. Proverbs 20 and verse 18. Every purpose is established by counsel. With good advice, make war. We understand that in this principle here, it's saying that, that the um, leader has good advice to make war, meaning that he has been given advice. Yes, you have this many troops, you have this much material, this is what you can do. And using that information, he makes a decision. But there's a principle that we're pulling from here is that it's important for biblical authority to make that decision. He can get lots of counsel, but at the end, someone has to make the decision. It's the biblical authorities within our life. Everyone likes to try to make the decisions, but nobody likes to make the have the responsibility. In each of our areas of our life, there's biblical uh, authority. For example, in a local church, a pastor should be seeking for wisdom, but when it's all said and done, it's up to the pastor to make the decision. 
inside of the home. God has put order and function and there's a way that should run. Inside of our country, we have biblical leaders inside of uh, each of the things. For example, I work with police. So they have a chief. He makes a decision. He can get lots of information, but it's at the end, it's his decision to make. We have to understand that when it comes time for it, that it is biblical authority that needs to make the decision. And if they make a decision, something other than what you gave advice for, well, it wasn't your decision to make. You don't have to be mad, take it personally. You just pray for them that they would have wisdom. This helps us out in dealing with things properly because there are times that authority makes a decision that's different than what you think they should do. But it wasn't your decision. This should take the pressure off of some people who are in that role to make the decisions. They're not trying to make everyone happy. They're trying to find out what is the wisest course of action and do that. Again, this is just a helpful principle. Now, again, we didn't cover all 130, but we covered enough, enough to get a sampling of it, enough to give an understanding that we can apply these principles in our life. Now, where do you start off with? You start off by going to God and say, God, give me wisdom. Because we're all in different areas in our life. There are people who are considering retirement, where there are some people that retirement is so far from them, they're just trying to think about college or surviving school. You are at different stages of life. Some of you are working hard and needing to find out what do I need to do to prepare for retirement. There are some of you who say, I'm early enough that I could start saving money and make it so I'm not struggling like my parents were in the idea of finances. Doing wherever you're at, you need to be finding what God has for you for wisdom and discernment. Learn to ask for advice, learn to seek after God's counsel and follow Bible principles. And when you do that, you'll be amazed about what God can do in your life. Again, if there's an economic turn and what people keep predicting finally happens, are you going to be set? Can you survive? Will you be in the soup kitchen serving? Will you be in the soup kitchens being served? Will you be at the place that you can survive and continue to move forward or will we be struggling? We can apply these principles that God has given to us. And again, we can never take God out of the equation. It's him that we have to trust. It's him that we have to depend upon. But he hasn't left us without any guidance. He has given us principles in the Bible, especially in Proverbs, that we can apply today. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.